online at crossculture.church. From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is Crosswalk, a weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of Cross Culture Church. Thank you for joining us. Now here's this week's message from Cross Culture Church. Good morning, Cross Culture. I am. Listen, I hope that uh, everyone this morning has had uh, a wonderful Thanksgiving. We certainly did at our family. And uh, we're so grateful that we had the opportunity to share our time together, share a meal together, and just be together as family. And as I look out here across the cross-culture family, let me say that I'm glad that you are here as well. And that hopefully you had the same kind of time with your family, the time of an opportunity of sharing. Some of you might recognize that we had been telling you that uh, a young man by the name of Eddie was going to come and preach to us this morning. Well, Eddie's not here, so you have me. So <laughs> hopefully what you will have this morning is certainly not a uh, disappointment. We anticipate that there will be, uh, that God will be here and we will enjoy his presence this morning. I want to say to you, for all of you that have uh, contributed to Operation Christmas Child, thank you. Thank you so much. You're going to make a difference in someone's life. We're praying that those boxes that, that uh, got filled, got filled with love, not just stuff. I know that maybe sometimes when we put things into boxes like that, we think about stuff. But it's the kind of thing that might bring joy and contentment to someone uh, that's not expecting it, that might change something or some things in their life. I want to um, speak to you this morning about a walk of faith. Probably a familiar passage that maybe even many of you have uh, understood and uh, maybe uh, know about the character there. I'm going to talk about uh, a walk of faith this morning. And if you would, and you brought your own copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to Genesis, the 12th chapter? And if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you that you can look at, we're going to put it up on the screen. Can I tell you that... Uh, I chose this, it's at the front of the book, so I wouldn't have to go very far to find it. It's the first book in the Bible, so some, if you have it, say amen. 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 All right, let's read. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants 
I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel, Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Uh, Father, we're grateful for your word, this word that uh, you've given to us, Lord, to uh, examine. Uh, we know, Lord, that it's the word that you gave to one of your own that was chosen to Abram. Uh, Father, we pray, Lord, this morning that this word that was given and spoken of the life and the travels and the journey of Abram might as well connect with our own travels, with our own life, and that that you might speak to us and that you might give to us. Father, I pray for receptive hearts, but mostly, Lord, I pray that we will understand what it is that you have for us as you had for Abram then. Father, bless our time together this morning. Lord, that we might come to know you in a very real way. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, who is the Christ and the head of our lives, that we pray and give you thanks. Amen. Amen. This passage of Scripture, no doubt, is familiar to you. It's where, uh, it's where uh, God had uh, spoken to Abram and called him out. And it called him out of where he was. We look at the verses and the scripture that's there and we can understand and know that God had chosen Abram even though he was up in years. He was 75 years old. And I know we'd like for God to maybe have called us when we were a kid, but quite honestly, if he had called on me when I was a kid, I'm not sure I would have heard it for all the noise of my friends and all the things I was doing all around me. Let me say this. 1 Samuel 15 and the 22nd verse. God tells us this. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying, obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. It is better for us to obey. When God called Abram, even at the age of 75, it was best for him to obey the Lord and heed God's call. I said I want to talk a little bit about the walk of faith uh, because I believe we're on our own journey here at Cross Culture in our walk of faith. Amen? Abram's journey involved his separation. Abram's obedience involved his separation. So if we look at that, his separation was separation from his family. His separation was being called out from his family. Now at the age of 75, let's look at that. He was called out uh, at one that age, but secondly, you can imagine having been at his father's house for that long 
And scripture tells us he was called out. He left with all of his possessions, with his nephew, and as well with his wife. It must have been a place that was quite familiar to him. It must have been a place where God had already blessed him. It must have been a place where he had already recognized and received from the Lord. But God called him out from that place. So first, if you're following along with me and on your bulletin, there's a place for you to put notes in the back or on the back there. And that one being the first is obedience. Oh, uh, Abram's obedience involved his separation. <clears throat> Scripture tells us this if we examine and look at Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Back to Abraham and Abram, rather, at uh, this point in his life being called out. He's called out and separated from his family. I mentioned how comfortable that might have been from him. But you know, sometimes our comfort causes us to be hindered to hearing God's voice. If we are comfortable where we are, sometimes we don't hear God's voice. Obedience involved his separation. Secondly, I'd say, obedience involved his substance. Now, sometimes when I mention substance, we think possessions, but yes, Abram had uh, possessions. He had things that he had yet accumulated. And scripture tells us this. If we go back to read uh, the fourth verse there. So Abram went forth as the Lord uh, had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and it and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated. He took all of his possessions, not that God wanted or needed his possessions, but God wanted all of Abraham. God wanted all of Abram. He wanted Abram to surrender and to give to him all that he had and to bring that with him. And I know sometimes when we think about substance and our possessions, the subject of tithing comes up. This message today certainly won't be about money and about tithing. But if I might, if you would just for a minute, let me say to you that when we think about our tithing, we think about 10%. We get a chance to spend the other 90. So that for $10, we give one to the Lord, and we spend the other nine, and we usually spend that on ourselves. Let me say to you that God's not only concerned about the 10%, he's concerned with what you do with the other 90. He is. He's concerned with what you do with that 90. God is uh, the giver of all. In fact, Scripture tells us the earth 
is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I don't know about you, but I tried just spending that 90% on my own for me and for my comforts. And I can tell you that I ran short at times. When I gave what I had to the Lord, he increases and make plenteous. Now you've probably heard you can't beat God giving. Let me echo and say the same. You can't. You can't beat God giving. In, in fact, this whole thing about possessions or his substance and about the 90 is God wants to use that. So if you turn it over to him, he will use that. And that might not just be your money. It might be your house. It might be your car. It might be something else that you have. But if you place that in the service of the Lord, God could use that. You probably remember uh, the parable of the talents. That the one who was given the five talents, who put it to use for the Lord. And what happened? He increased it. To the one who was given two talents, what happened? It was increased. He got two more. And to one who had the one talent... He buried it, hid it from the Lord. No increase at all of no use. In fact, if you want to receive, the scripture tells us in Luke 6, 38, it says this, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over and for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. To the tune that you are generous and to the tune that you open what you have to the Lord, he will certainly give to you by that same measure. If your measure is like this, expect to receive like this. If your measure is like that, expect to receive of the Lord like that. Abram's obedience not only involves separation, and his substance, before I leave substance, let me say this about substance. Before uh, someone gets the idea that maybe God wants all of our stuff. He gave it to us, but he wants it back. He doesn't mind you having stuff. He doesn't want stuff to have you. Right? Don't mind you having stuff. He doesn't want stuff to have you. His obedience not only involves separation and substance, but his obedience involved surrender. His obedience involves surrender. Uh, surrender of everything that he has. Surrender of his will uh, to God's will. It involved his surrender. And let me tell you a little bit about that. Uh, um, that involved faith. It involves faith, it involves faith and trust in the Lord to surrender directly to him, to surrender all to him. Let me say this, faith builds no barriers. You're probably familiar with the song that we sing here, Oceans at times, where in there uh, the lyrics say, give me faith without borders, without boundaries. A lot of us like to think maybe sometime we could have been like Peter. Maybe we could have walked on water. Some of us scared to walk on water even if it's frozen. 
Scared to try to walk on water even if it's frozen. And that's even a little easier than it was that, uh, that, uh, that uh, Peter had. Faith builds no boundaries. It simply does what it is told. Faith simply does what it's told, and it trusts God to take care of the rest. If you heard our praise team this morning, place it in God's hands and let him take care of the rest. Faith involved Abram's obedience. But you know, and I know, that our faith, our desire to walk with the Lord, doesn't come as a cakewalk. It doesn't come as a cakewalk. There was opposition to Abram's desire to serve the Lord. First of all, let me say there was opposition. Um, the days opposed him. Now, his days being 75 years in age, his days opposed him. His days opposed him as in you know, many of us think at and probably believe that when I get to the age of 75, I'm probably ready to slow it down. I'm probably ready to quit. I'm probably ready to uh, uh, retire, if you will, or not be in God's service any longer. Let me say this about that. As long as there is breath in your body, there is no quitting on the Lord. When you quit, as if you are done with the Lord, are you then wanting the Lord to quit and be done with you? I hope that's not the case in quitting with the Lord. Not only did his opposition, the days in, uh, uh, opposed him, the darkness opposed him. Let me read this as well in that passage of scripture. Let me go back there to the uh, fifth row. Adam took Sarah and his wife and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moray. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Let me talk a little bit about the Canaanite. Do you remember spies had been sent out? God had promised the land and had promised the land and the land was Canaan. And the spies had gone out, but only two of the spies came back with a very positive report. The remaining spies came back with a very negative report. Here's what they saw. What they saw was themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of some of the, what they called giants or men of stature there in Canaan. But Canaan itself not only represented physical, if you will, uh, obstacles for them uh, in the terms of the men that were there, Canaan was also a very ungodly place. It was a very ungodly place in that the descendants of Noah, Ham and his son, were ungodly men. 
And those ungodly men were those descendants that had settled here in Canaan. And so the Canaanites represented not only ungodly or godless men, it also represented moral decay and indecency. And, and so you see, uh, uh, what else opposed him was this darkness in terms of him being obedient in his walk of faith. There were others who had been told about the promised land, and they refused to go. They didn't trust God to go. And so this walk of obedience in terms of opposition uh, for Abram was not only about his age, but it was also about the land that he was going into that also opposed him. But let me say as well, as we read through the seventh verse of Dale, as well, the distance opposed him. The distance. Now, from where he left, from his father's country to where he had gone was about 500 miles. We wouldn't think very much about a distance or a travel or a journey of 500 miles now. But 500 miles then was significant. They didn't have Uber or Lyft. He couldn't catch a ride. They didn't have airplanes that he could get on. They didn't have some of the modes of transportation that we think of today when we think of a journey or a trip of 500 miles. He had all of his stuff along with him. He had his livestock. He had all of his possessions, his wife, his nephew, and those things journeyed with him. So to travel that great distance was indeed a opposition in terms of his walk of faith. Just the distance that he had to go. Aside from that, what else opposed him was his duties. Abram's duties opposed him. Now, his duty, for most men, you'd think, I brought my wife with me, my nephew, and all my hired hands, my servants, my, 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 my folks that came along with me, there was a sense of duty for him that he would uh, be, feel a bit obligated that he had to take care of all of them as well. So there was a sense of duty that also represented a position or opposition to Abram in terms of his walk of faith. Not only did Abram have obedience to the Lord, opposition in his walk of faith, but Abram had opportunities. If we were to but trust the Lord, trust in the Lord and would walk by faith, in the direction that God wants us to go. We will have opportunities. One, the first is to experience God's promises. God had promised the land to Abram. God had promised uh, that Abram would be the father of 
many nations. He had promised that his descendants would be able to inherit this land. He promised that there would be, uh, that his descendants would be innumerable. And of course, if you continue to read, you'll learn the rest of the story in this promise uh, that Abram was promised to have all these descendants. And when he was given this promise, Abram didn't have any children. Abram didn't have any children. So you can imagine, just maybe, the faith and the trust that it took for Abram to leave home, to take all of his stuff with him, to surrender everything that he had acquired, if you would, and place it in the service of the Lord. And his opposition was no less real to him. His age, the distance he had to travel, the countryside he had to travel in. Now, you know and I know that there's lots of this story that we haven't even begun to talk about in regards to how his nephew treated him and acted up during the course of his journey. Do know that his opposition to being faithful was real. To experience God's promises was one of Abram's opportunities. The second was to enjoy God's presence. Abram, in his journeys between Bethel and Ai, in his journeys between Bethel and Ai, built an altar. Now Bethel itself means the house of God. Ai means a heap of ruins. But Abram felt he was in God's presence when he was in this land. How many of us, between the ruins in our own lives and the house of God or the being in the presence of God, how many of us consider what it means to be obedient in our walk with the Lord? How many of us can just consider what it means to be in obedience to God's walk, to our walk in the Lord and following him. And the third in that is to enter God's place. What was promised to him was a very heavenly place. And you know and I know that when trouble comes where we want to be in heavenly places, heavenly as in being before the Lord in worship, being before the Lord in praise, being before the Lord in our walk with him, is being in God's place. I want to say to you, it involves quite a bit. Our opportunities to experience God's promises, to enjoy God's presence, to enter God's place. That all starts with our walk of faith. Scripture tells us this in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. We must have faith. We must follow the Lord. And we must be obedient in our call to him. And when we get to that point, we can experience God's promises. He has made great and many and wonderful promises to us. I once went to church with a young man who was a lawyer, and he was all about promises or covenants. And, and, and he, uh, when he gave his life to the Lord and, and uh, was all about being able to teach, he said there were more than 2,000 promises or covenant promises in the Bible. He was all about those covenant promises. To be able to experience God's promises requires our obedience. It requires our obedience in our walk. It requires obedience in our giving. It requires obedience in the call of, on our lives in being able to live out what God has called us to do and what he's called us to be. Entering God's presence or enjoying God's presence involves our worship and our wandering and maybe even our ways. Scripture tells us this in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord all of our ways and lean not into our own understanding in all our ways. Trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding and all of our ways acknowledge him. And that word ways, if you go to look that up in the dictionary, would be our direction. It would be our means. It would be our routine. That word ways would be those things that we do. If we were to trust God with where we go, what we do, and the methods of which we travel, the methods of which we go about our daily lives, and he will direct our paths. I'm going to close <clears throat> and say to you that what God wants is surrender for us. He wants us to surrender our will to his will. He wants us to surrender our lives that he might give us life. He wants us to surrender that we might be wholly and completely his. Because what he wants for us is better than what we want for ourselves. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. God has invited us to know him through his word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540 exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Cross-Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. I want you.
online at crossculture.church.